0: Hi there, welcome to the Second Adolescence podcast. Here, we talk about all things queer healing and second adolescence. So what is second adolescence, you might ask? Second adolescence is a sort of developmental life stage queer people navigate in our post-coming out adult years after growing up within an anti-queer world. For many, Second Adolescence is about healing the wounds of our younger queer selves, gaining the experiences they missed out on, and unlocking what it means for us to exist as our most free and true selves. I am your host, Adam James Cohen, psychotherapist and human who went through his own Second Adolescence. We took a little pause to catch our breath and are now back with some more weekly episodes for you. And to kick off this set of episodes, we have a super special guest we have Nikki Hiltz. For those of you who don't know them, Nikki is a professional runner and major advocate for the greater LGBTQ plus community. They are also someone who I've known personally since I was 19 and they were 12 when I was their instructor at a summer program called Junior Lifeguards back where we both grew up. We spent the next five summers together in that program, which was so fun and was also interesting because we were both deeply in the closet, me as a young adult and them as an adolescent. And so that's why it was so interesting today to get to have them on and talk about what like really (laughs) this part of our experience that we never really shared together. And it was so cool to hear more of their story. On the episode, Nikki shares about their experience growing up and navigating the limiting box of society's gender and sexuality expectations and their experience of in adolescence really pushing away thought of their gender and sexual identity and really wanting to use their success as an athlete as a place to really focus their energy instead. And then they go on to share about how, you know, in college, they got to this place of feeling more able to acknowledge what was happening underneath the surface and what their own process was of coming out and into their true self first embracing their sexual and romantic identity and then later embracing their gender identity that's really been there all along. And then Nikki goes on to share how they've really used their platform that they've built as an athlete to be an advocate and voice to increase representation, visibility, and inclusion of trans and queer people both in sport but also in the world. Nikki is who I want to be when I grow up, hands down. And yeah, they were so generous with their story. And I'm so honored to invite you into this conversation. And as with each episode of Second Adolescence, I really want to invite you as listener to listen with open curiosity, knowing that each of our stories are different and unique. You might hear some guests share things that really differ from your experience, whereas other guests might share things that really speak to what you went through or are currently going through. And I really hope that all of this happens and that together we can continue growing and expanding our awareness of what life and queerness and healing can be for folks. If after the show you want to connect further, feel free to head on over to secondadolescencepod.com for show notes and more, or you can follow the show on Instagram at at secondadolescencepod. All right, welcome to the conversation. Thank you so much for being here. Nikki, welcome to Second Adolescence.
1: Thanks, Adam. (laughs) Yeah,
0: it's so, so cool to have you on. And okay, before going anywhere, i like to invite the guest, the person on your side of things, to give a mini little intro to who you are, just to give a little context to the person behind the voice. So who are you?
1: So my name's Nikki Hiltz, and I'm from a little town called Aptos, California. I guess I am a professional runner, so my job is I essentially run and get paid to do that. I feel like along with being a runner, I identify as like an advocate for the LGBTQ community because I am a member of that community. Um, I identify as trans non-binary and I use they them pronouns. And yeah, I feel like I have somewhat of a platform from being a professional runner and people caring about that sport. So I feel like I really try to use my platform to educate and like raise awareness and raise money for everything, all the issues that come with being a part of the LGBTQ community. And yeah, I guess I'm a race director or founder Mm -hmm. of a race. I Mm -hmm. put on the Pride 5K, which I started in 2020 there was a race in 2020, a race in 2021 and now i guess our third race is going to be this year and it's going to be in person which is super exciting. Mm. So yeah, i feel like that's kind of like a short intro into like uh, who i am. <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: I wish we had like 20 hours to go into all of even just that. Okay. Sweet. Okay, but but first, i guess before going anywhere after this, i think it's helpful to name i'm just finding myself in this moment and also i mentioned this before we started recording that it's trippy because we grew up in the same general area. We both know each other from, you know, pre-coming out years of each of our lives. Mm-hmm. And we've never gotten to have this conversation around identity and queerness and all of it. And so I'm yeah, just really curious and excited. And as I told you before we recorded, yeah, I wish we could have had this conversation when we were both way back then, but we're doing now both
1: in the closet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally.
0: Totally. So I'm really pumped. So thank you for coming on.
1: Yeah, no, I'm so excited.
0: And yeah, just kind of given this is the second adolescence podcast, I guess just a first place that I'm curious just to start before then going into your story, when you kind of hear that phrase and that concept of second adolescence curious, like what gets sparked within you as you think about your own story and your own experience?
1: I feel like the word adolescence, like I instantly kind of go to like that awkward middle school coming of age phase of like, you know, figuring out dating or like who you like and like your body's changing and like all that really awkward, great stuff. Um, And so (laughs) (laughs) then, second, adolescence, I feel like is like people who. I guess, came to terms with their sexuality or gender identity later in life, like, we get to go through that awkward stage all over again, right? (laughs) Um, And so, I don't know. I feel like for me, I kind of instantly think of, like, my dating scene of, like, when I was 13, 14, 15, and, like, everyone around me was like, oh, yeah, like, this boy's cute. Or, like, we like him. Like, he's funny. And I'm like, yeah, me too. You know, just going along with the crowd. And then kind of... The second adolescence, it's doing that all over again when I'm like, oh, I'm actually attracted to women. And like being 21, 22, 23, almost like 10 years later, right? It's like mm-hmm. going through that awkwardness all over again. So I feel like to me, that's kind of like what I instantly think of when I hear second adolescence.
0: Yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> that's, that's, and that's kind of where I typically go first too in my own experience as well. Yeah. Um, I too was that little 12 year old, 13 year old, 14 year old, 15 year old where people were talking about, oh, you should be liking this particular gender. Oh, this this person's hot. And me very much at that point, I don't know what your story was, we'll go into it, but being more aware of, oh, that's not me. And I'm now I'm like trying to pretend like it is. And, mm-hmm. ugh, ugh. and then yeah, later <laughs> in life, 10 years later, 15 years later, trying to both repair what was lost, but also learn how to date and learn how to feel and how to all those things that our peers in middle school and high school were getting to experience then, but do that now. Oh, totally. But okay. Tell me more about your story growing up. Like we grew up in the same area, but curious for you, what was your experience like in childhood and in that early adolescence? What was the beginning of your story?
1: I think for me, like I feel like I just knew at a really young age that like the box of like what it meant to be like a little girl, like wasn't me, you know, it wasn't like fully me. And like, I just have so many early memories of, you know, having to dress up for things like my aunt's wedding or something. And it's like, okay. And I have an older sister too. And it's like, okay, you guys, we need to pick out a dress, you know, to wear because this is a nice occasion. And that's what little girls wear. And I was like, Mm. I don't want to wear a dress. And like throwing temper tantrums of Mm. like, I do not want to wear this. And then again, in like, when it came to junior guards, which is how we know each other, Adam was my instructor and, Junior Guards is like an incredible thing, right? It's like all these little kids on the beach and you're in bathing suits and you're like learning how to be lifeguards, but mostly you're just playing in the sand and the ocean with all your best friends. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you can sign up for Junior Guards when you're six, right? Like that's the age you can first do it. And my older sister, she was two years older than me. So she was eight when I was six and it was her third year of doing it. And I wanted to do Guards so bad, right? It was like everything that I could want. Because I was like a little athlete too. Mm -hmm. Running, swimming, playing with your friends. But I didn't do it because I was like, I don't want to wear a girl's bathing suit. I feel so uncomfortable in that. Like, that's not me. And so I didn't do guards like that first year. Mm -hmm. And then (laughs) when I was seven, I remember it was like, you go to O'Neill Surf Shop, you know, you pick out the bathing suit. And I was there with my mom and sister there's like the boys section, and the girls section. And like, I remember like looking at like the boys bathing suits and like, there was like also rash guards. I remember like being like, okay, mom, if I wear a rash guard and like board shorts, like, can I do guards? And she's like, of course. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. when I was seven, like that's kind of how I played out my gender on the beach was just yeah. kind of wearing something that like, I felt like me and, and like, I did guards the rest of my life, right? Like 17, I think is your last year. So when I was seven through 17, did guards every single summer. Mm. It's literally where I like fell in love with running. It's where I like realized like I was a really good runner and like, oh, I could do this in college and then maybe even after college. And like, I don't know, it's just crazy to me that like my gender was something that like, there wasn't a space for me. And so like Mm -hmm. I had to make a space, you know? And Mm -hmm. like, because Mm -hmm. I made that space, I could like find myself like through sports. I don't know. <laughs> it's like yeah. kind of like a little story about how my gender identity at a very young age was like so real to me and like something I've just been trying to like understand ever since, I guess. <laughs> totally.
0: Oh, totally. I yeah. mean, as you're speaking to, there is such limited boxes for like what it means to be a boy, what it means to be a girl. And we're only given those binary options as well, growing mm-hmm. up when we did, right? And this, of course it's shifting now, but yeah, it really places such limits on young people to get to really explore their fullness at the mm-hmm. young age. And what's so wild to think about your little seven-year-old self who like had that inside to know, <laughs> hey, I'm going to carve out my own space. Like you said, I'm making my own space. Like, ooh, when you said that, I like got chills just thinking about little <laughs> seven-year-old Nikki doing that. And also pumped on your mom being like, hell yeah, go for it.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. And also such a testament to all the instructors too. Mm. Like, I feel like all the adults in my life really cultivated that safe space like there was never a single instructor that was like you're not wearing a one piece or two piece like get off the Mm, beach you know it was like Mm -hmm. you're a great kid you're a good athlete like you're gonna go win this run like I don't (laughs) know it's like Mm -hmm. I really understand the privilege that I had with the adults in my life helping me create that space for myself Mm. yeah cool
0: awesome and yeah sidebar junior cards. So fun. I just remember (laughs) little 12 year old you just crushing it. And it's it's been really fun to just watch your journey and career as an athlete. And I always just think of you on the beach, just like killing it at such a young age. And so so um, it's very fun for me to see. But going back into your story, like, what do you remember growing up within the greater Santa Cruz County in Aptos at that time? Being informed around, like, queerness and anything around gender expansiveness, what do you remember kind of coming to learn about this part of humanity?
1: No, it's such a good question. I feel like I had, obviously, I feel like Santa Cruz can very much be this, like, liberal bubble at times. And, like, growing up, like, I obviously did a ton of sports, like, soccer, volleyball, like, softball. Like, I did them all. And, like... I remember having a soccer coach who was a lesbian, like same-sex marriage. And I was really young. I was like 12, 13, 14, whatever. So obviously I was like exposed to it, right? Like mm. I, there was queer people within my life. But I think there was like this internalized like homophobia that I was like, that's not me though, you know, mm-hmm. of like pushing back. Or like, I think it was also like junior high was like Glee was like on TV a lot. Yeah. It was super popular, right? And there's like gay characters and that and like i would get so uncomfortable whenever there was like a gay scene on screen right Mm -hmm. and i think that was really just like this internalized thing of like i don't want to be that because that's like so different and like i was just so afraid to be different i think like i just wanted to like fit in i was obviously like exposed to it and like also my parents like i remember my mom at a super young age saying things like you know, I think she knew I was queer from like the moment I was born, <laughs> like <laughs> saying things like, you know, Michaela, and Nikki, like my sister, like you guys can marry whoever you want. Like it doesn't have to be a boy or just like, you know, like kind of hints like that along the way. Oh, and right. I was like, why would I not marry a boy? Like, you know, like totally. so I obviously like was definitely exposed to it. It's not like I grew up in like the south or like the super conservative family of like being gay is bad like if anything it was the opposite it was like this is accepted there's people in your life but something inside me was like no that's bad like i don't Mm want to be that and so i think that's why you know i buried it for so long and i didn't come out until i was like you know 21 or like 20 like you know because it was like just this internal thing i was working through
0: totally and I think we have a similar story in that, like both like my microculture of my like my family unit and immediate kind of relationships. I knew they were all open minded and supportive of the queer community, maybe like still like misinformed on some degree, but I too, I feel like I can remember my mom saying a similar thing to me. yet it really speaks to the power of like the macro culture in socializing us of what we believe is like right and wrong, what's normal, what's not. And yeah, so many of us fall victims, even if we're not in a situation where like, within our family or our small community, there's like direct messaging about the wrongness of being queer. Yeah, It's just this deeply entrenched, like macro system where it's in the media. It's, it's just everywhere. Right. 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 And on such an unconscious level like that, we are kids are sponges. And so little you like mm-hmm. came to really pick that up, even if you weren't necessarily being told directly, like, this is wrong.
1: Yeah, Yeah. absolutely.
0: Such a bummer. Oh my God, it's such a bummer. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah, but I mean, it's so crazy how much that's shifted. Like I think about young kids now and it's just like, I don't know, there's just so much more visibility and exposure and like there's like data, like more and more Gen Z or like young people like identify as queer or trans and like, you know, and it's not because there's like some queer agenda that we're like, we're not making people like gay or whatever, it's just like, right. There's more just like, Exposure and like, oh, okay, I see myself in that person, and like, I'm that too. And like, yeah. yeah. Mm, Totally,
0: totally. We're like removing the barriers that are blocking people from like, yeah, (laughs) knowing who they really are. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. And so, when you were kind of at that point, kind of in your early adolescence at Guards, how were you kind of individually thinking about yourself and your identity? When you're being exposed to glee, you're feeling like, oh, whoa, I don't want that. That's not me. Mm -hmm. What do you remember kind of going into out of middle school into high school? Like, you understanding about your identity
1: i really like didn't come out to myself until probably like high school i think i was really like that's not me and like really doubling down on that fact um, Totally. and i i think also even when i came to terms with myself i still was like nope we're not gonna like ever tell anyone about that you know And I think I just really doubled down. Like I had a boyfriend, like on and off, like all throughout high school, right? And like, Mm -hmm. it's so funny to me. Even my senior year, like I won homecoming queen, and my boyfriend won like homecoming king. Like (laughs) the most straight and then also like (laughs) cis thing that could ever be was like me. (laughs) And it's like so funny now looking back. Like I don't know, (laughs) but um, Mm -hmm. it's not like I came to terms with it. I I came to terms with it, like, very early on, right? Like, and even, I think my gender identity, like, even earlier than my Mm -hmm. sexuality. Because I feel like sexuality, you, I don't know, I feel like it's more like a 13, 14. Like, you're like a teenager when you're starting to be like, oh, I'm, I get nervous around this person. Or, you know, like, but with your gender identity, like, like, that's from birth, right? You're like, oh, I don't really, like want to like paint my nails or wear dresses or like things that like little girls are being pushed towards. Like I want to do like more of the things that the boys are being, you know? And so, and that also came, you know, with how I present my gender with like clothing and things like that, that we talked about. But yeah, I honestly think I just like buried it like deep down. And I was like, I'm not going there, Mm -hmm. you know, really doubling down on like, this will never have to like come out, you know?
0: (laughs) Uh, I like, and nodding my head. I didn't really realize this, but yeah, I have a similar thread there too of like getting clear in around high school, around 16 is when I, I feel like I had this moment of coming out to myself after like breaking up with my girlfriend and realizing <laughs> oh, I'm like, I know I'm toying her. I know I'm lying to her. That didn't feel good for me anymore. Yeah. Very, very clear moment of just like sitting in front of my mirror and just being like, oh, fuck, I think I'm gay um, mm-hmm. or I am gay. And then actively committing. But I'm now I'm not going to tell anybody. And <laughs> yeah. just like, I don't know when, uh, but I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm going to keep denying it and all of yeah. that. Oh, but oh, it just sucks that like our younger selves, so many people's younger selves had to do that, had to then okay, yeah. well, shut this part of me away. And right. by doing so, we then, it leads to many of us kind of missing out on a lot of different things that maybe other people are getting to experience in that latter part of high school into college. Mm-hmm. And what was that experience like for you after kind of locking that away as you you know, became homecoming queen and stuff. into, <laughs> like left high school, then started going into college. What was happening
1: for you then? I think when I went into college, that was kind of where I couldn't like hide from it anymore. So I broke up with my boyfriend, like we were not going to do distance. So, you know, I got to college and I immediately got injured. So I feel like running also plays such a role in my story. Like it's always kind of been like my safe space and like where I like came out to myself, I think it was like on a run in high school and it was like, okay, I make this pact of like, we're never telling anyone that. So then in college, like I committed to the University of Oregon. So I was in Eugene, had moved away from my family, different state. It was super rainy all the time and I got injured. Like I had to get surgery on my foot. Mm. I had like a broken bone in there. Yeah. It was the whole thing. But, um, Mm. I think it was like when I couldn't run anymore, running was always kind of like my distraction too. Right. It was like, okay, I don't have to focus on like boys and my gender. Like I can just like focus on running like, right. And like Ah. be the best athlete I can be. Mm -hmm. And so, and then when like that was taken from me, it was like, oh shit, I kind of have to like confront this, you know? And also once again, like Eugene, Oregon is this very like liberal bubble of, you know, it's a college town in Oregon. Like it's very inclusive and like progressive. And like, I remember seeing like on campus two girls like holding hands. And it was like the first time, like I saw people like my age kind of playing out their sexuality. And I was like, oh, like, that's like, okay here. Or that's Mm -hmm. like, a thing, you know? And like, that's like the power of representation right there or yeah. visibility. It's like, oh yeah. my gosh. And so I, once again, kind of came out to myself and then mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm going to tell someone, I'm just going to like, see how this goes, you know? <laughs> and so I told my roommate freshman year and I came out to her and like, she was like, so good about it. Right. It was like, uh-huh. oh my gosh, like, that's awesome. Like, I'm so like, have you ever told anyone before? I was like, no, you're the first person. And Oof. they're like, Yeah, it was just like this really like accepting moment. They're like, okay, Mm -hmm. well, like I won't tell anyone, but like, obviously like I'm here for you and this like doesn't change a thing. And it was like, it just like made me want to like tell more and more people. So Mm -hmm. I did, I kind of started slowly coming out to like really close teammates and i think i told like four or five girls on the team but that was kind of it Mm. i started to tell people and then i was like okay this feels good this is great but like we're not gonna really like do anything about it (laughs) like and so then i kind of like went back in the closet it was this weird thing of like okay cool like people know but like i'm still not gonna like date girls right i'm just gonna like i don't know because i think it's just such a process right it's not totally It's not like one day and, you know, you're like, oh, I'm gay. And like, I told everyone and I'm like, now I'm dating like people of my same sex. It's like, no, like this, you're actually, and I feel like I've realized this, like you're actually me coming out your entire life. Like until we live in a society where like straight and cis aren't the norm, like you're always going to have to be like, oh yeah, like my boyfriend or my girlfriend. And then people are like, oh, okay, well, you know, Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. that was kind of like, I guess the first step or stage of me coming out. Mm. And then I spent two years at Oregon and then I transferred to Arkansas. And that's when I like really went back in the closet, Mm. right? Because I was like, I don't know a lot of people here. Like all I know is that Arkansas is like a red state. Like, and yeah, I kind of like just didn't tell anyone there.
0: What was that like kind of going back in the closet in that way and kind of being in Arkansas, being in this space that sounds very different than like (laughs) the crunchy Eugene? Like, yeah, yeah. What?
1: What's that like? It was crazy. I mean, I think I was ready for a change. Like there was a lot of things about Eugene that I, I didn't really click with. Like I had kind of been like, also because of like, I was dealing with all like my sexuality and gender identity stuff. Like I was kind of like a hot mess my first year. Cause I was injured. Like I was going out and drinking a bunch. Like I was partying. Like I was definitely not well. <laughs> and so, um, so my next year when I got like healthy again, I had kind of like ruined my reputation, if that makes sense. Like Mm -hmm. the coach and the people on the team, like kind of knew me as this like crazy partier and like, you know, wasn't going to take running seriously. And it was hard because I was like, no, I'm now I'm ready. Like I'm healthy. Like I'm, Mm -hmm. but I kind of was like stuck in this like box of like someone who like, wasn't going to take it seriously. And then like, I think that really impacted like my ability to make relationships with people on the team. And then like kind of me and the coach would butt heads a lot over that. Mm. Like I had a bad race one time and she was like, oh, you were like drinking the night before. I was like, no, I wasn't. Like just kind of like, I mean, I did it to myself, but also like Mm. it was just hard to break, I think, that stigma. Um, And so I was just like so ready for like a brand new coach, brand new state. Like I'm ready to run. Like, you know, I'm ready to kind of take this this thing seriously and so i was really excited to go to arkansas and um it was also i couldn't transfer within the pac 12 due to like ncaa rules so i wanted to go to like a power five conference and arkansas was really good at track so i also really liked that about oregon it was like such a good track school and Mm -hmm. so there was a lot of reasons like pushing me to arkansas and so it was kind of like yes this is like in a really specific part of the country and like maybe not as safe or what I'm used to in like Santa Cruz and Eugene. But like, this is where I'm going and this is my Mm. fresh start. And this is like going to be that. And so Mm. I think I kind of, once again, kind of did what I did in high school. I was like, I'm just going to focus on running, right? Like I'm not going to even worry about my gender identity or sexuality. And I was like, plus it's safer here. Just maybe no one knows that. (laughs) Mm, mm. And then I actually ended up dating someone on the team. So it was kind of like, okay, we kind of have to come out about this. Right. Like mm. that was kind of the next phase of my coming out was like going through it with a girlfriend, like being like, it's easier to just be like, Oh, this is my girlfriend. Right. Instead mm. of like, Oh, I'm gay. Right. Mm. It's cause it just kind yeah. of like says it all in one. Totally. And so that was like 2016 is kind of when I would say I pretty publicly came out. Just like posting and like being very open about like, yeah, I'm in a relationship and it's actually with someone of the same sex. And so that was kind of like, I guess me going back in the closet didn't last very long because I transferred fall of 2015. And then by like 2016, I was like in a relationship. Yeah.
0: What do you remember about like that decision to make this more of a public known part of who you are? What do you remember before making that post?
1: I remember like social media was definitely like really taking off then. Like yeah. Instagram was getting very popular. And like, I just like saw all my other teammates like posting about their significant other and things like that. And like, I was like, well, I want to do that too. You know, it definitely was like scary because I was like, okay, I don't know how many people are going to like react or whatever, but this is something I really want to do. And like, if people don't accept that, that's a really good vetting process, actually, of like, maybe I don't want you in my life. <laughs> um, and so I just kind of full sent it and it was like, the response was great. You know, like people mm-hmm. were super accepting and like, I feel like it was actually really important to be in Arkansas during that time. Like it was during the 2016 election. Like mm-hmm. we had so many conversations with teammates where like, I have no idea if I, you know, changed their mind or heart or anything, but like at least they now know a queer person. Right. And yeah. like if they ever have a kid or a family member, that's like, also queer they can be like oh I remember Nikki and like they were cool or like Mm -hmm. (laughs) they were they were nice and like Mm -hmm. I don't know I remember having a lot of really important conversations during that time I think also having like a partner to go through it with was really helpful during that time right because like we weren't alone like at the end of the day we had each other you know totally
0: wow gosh it really sounds like that was like that was the beginning of your activism and so much of your work now is, is centered on that and what a powerful pivot point in your life it seems like yeah. at least for me I conceptualize kind of there's the life before and life after often that happens around kind of not necessarily even just like one coming out but like one particular time I'm curious like did it feel like things started to really shift for you
1: after that yeah point? Mm. definitely and this is kind of where like running comes back in my story yeah. like huh. after that year like my running just like took off I went from like pretty average like runner in the NCAA to like one of the top three you know like <sighs> I was getting Second, twice, like third, and then like a sixth, my running just like took off. And it was like, oh, this weight is like lifted. Like, right, Mm. this is like this ball and chain I had been like dragging around the track this Mm. like whole time. And now it's just like gone. And so I think like right there kind of shows the power of how much it does weigh on you when you just bury something that's so authentic to you. And so I would definitely say like 2016, 2017 was like a massive turning point just in my life
0: for sure. Totally. And it's so interesting hearing you talk about like what a relationship with running and how it's like been a part of your life and play different roles in your life since the beginning. And as you're talking about going back to like high school, you know, I often talk with queer people and even on this podcast about this idea of we can often like unconsciously really lean into one particular part of ourselves or skill or identity, like the athlete, the artist, the overachiever Mm -hmm. and like use that as a tool to gain like success and validation, but also as a place to kind of, okay, I can put like my eggs in this basket. I can just like leave behind, like when I think about my sexuality right. my gender. <laughs> and it's like both, and it's both like super awesome and helpful because it does often lead to great things for the person. And it can just be interesting when it also becomes like the source of your validation right. of your praise and all of that. And it sounds like you've kind of had running be a consistent part of your life, but it's just taken different shapes and and gosh like i'm just thinking about yeah i can just see this visual of you after coming out and the weight dropping and being able to just run like you haven't before like whoa so cool (laughs) that's so cool wow yeah yeah okay so then what happened next in your story
1: my last two years at arkansas were like just really great seasons i was running really well and i graduated may of 2018 and it was kind of like okay now i had ran well enough to like turn pro And I got an agent. I was like talking with shoe companies and like deciding where my next move was going to be. And I had spent three years at Arkansas. And it is common for some people to stay with their college coach and stay training where they've been training just because, you know, it's worked. Mm. But for me, I was like, this chapter is closing. Like, I'm ready to move. You know, I loved my coach at Arkansas, but it was just kind of like, I don't think I really want to be in Arkansas anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so there was a few different groups and shoe brands. I was like deciding between, but I ended up going with Adidas and moving to San Diego. I had always loved San Diego. Like we would go there for guards for mm-hmm. regionals and it was mm-hmm. like paradise. Right. Boy. So I was really excited to like move back to like my home state too. And like be close to the ocean again. And like mm-hmm. I got a good offer from Adidas, like the stars aligned to like, okay, this is where I'm going to go. and This is where I'm going to train next. And so, yeah, I just signed a shoe contract and moved in October 2018. And I've been professionally running ever since. Kind of like, I feel like the next chapter of my story was like, really coming to terms with like my gender identity, right? Mm -hmm. Like I had come out about my sexuality and like had a very public like girlfriend and like, you know, that was all going great. But I feel like there was just something else that I wasn't like being fully honest with. So that was kind of happened in 2020 the pandemic hit and like I was like kind of once again couldn't run like it was like all my meets got canceled and so I was like okay what can I do that's like not running but something I'm still like really passionate about and it was like oh like I'm really into activism and like advocating for queer people like I'm gonna use my platform and like I'm gonna put on a race like I'm just gonna put on a virtual race like a lot of people are getting into running because like of the pandemic and like I'm going to raise money for the Trevor Project, which is the leading national organization providing suicide intervention to LGBTQ youth. And so I kind of a few of my teammates and I like threw it together. It was like, yeah, we'll just like have people sign up by buying a shirt. And like, you know, we'll just, I don't know. We'll just see how this goes. And so we launched it like April, May 2020. And like the race was going to be in June during Pride Month, all the proceeds going to the Trevor Project. And like 2,000 people signed up and we were like, wow, like, okay, like this is really cool. And I think part of me was like, I was so desperate to create like a safe space and use running to do that. And I think I was so desperate to do it because like I was closeted in some way, right? Like Mm -hmm. I was like kind of craving that for myself. And so it was this really awesome thing. Like it played out virtually, like we had the race was in. June. And like on race day, we had like people basically use the race to like come out. Like I remember obviously like everyone's tagging me, like hashtagging Pride 5G. I'm trying to like keep up and like everything. Mm -hmm. And I just see this one post and I was like, wait, is this a coming out post? And Mm -hmm. we like read it and we're like, yeah, it is. And we're like, wow. Like, and then as the day went on, like there ended up being like four of them, like four (sighs) people used like this day to like, you know, come out of the closet. Mm -hmm. And that was like, crazy for me. I was like, okay, this was just something like I threw together in my janky garage in San Diego with like a few teammates. Like it was kind of like that moment where I was like, okay, this is not just like a quarantine special, right? Like this is like Mm. something I want to do every year. So that was 2020, like summer. The next year around this time, 2021, I was planning the second race right and so i decided i was like okay i want to talk to these four people who came out right mm. i want to connect with them and just kind of like share their stories and like i love podcasts um i love being on them i love listening to them and so i was like okay i'm just gonna record like podcast episodes with these people and like kind of talk to people at, like their coming out experience like what was that day like for you like you know were you planning this whatever and so i recorded my first one on march 30th so like almost exactly a year wow. ago mm. and it was like, I was like still a closeted person, just having a conversation with someone who used my race to come out. Mm. And like, it was in that conversation with this podcast guest that I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to come out. Right. Mm. It was just like, she was just telling me about like how good it felt and like how like this, such this weight was lifted. Right. And I had known all this too, cause I had also previously come out about something mm. and I was just like, I think I'm ready. And so I called my girlfriend and my girlfriend and I had obviously like she knew about my gender identity we had been having really important conversations and like just kind of learning together and so I called her and I was like okay like the podcast went really well like also I think like I'm ready to come out and like the next day was March 31st which is Trans Day of Visibility and I was like yeah I think I'm gonna do it like tomorrow and she was like okay like yeah do it like I support you I'm here for you like if you're ready, like you're ready, you know? And so the next day yeah, I posted and that was a year ago today, actually, like it's March 31st that we're recording this. So yeah, I feel like it was kind of like this moment of I'm ready to be seen, like as who I've always like seen myself as. And yeah, it's kind of crazy that like the Pride 5k was that at the start I was like, okay, I'm creating a safe space for queer people. And, like, it ended up being, like, my safe space in the end, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, What's that like right now in this moment, looking back, like, a year ago exactly to that moment and kind of everything that's happened since? Whoa, yeah, what's it like in this moment?
1: It's definitely, like, it's crazy. Like, there's so many moments this past year, like, that have been so affirming and Mm. so joyful. But it's been, like, so scary and, Mm. like, so different than kind of what I had imagined it was gonna be in both like good and bad ways right like it's both it's this like paradox of like feeling so affirmed and beautiful and like finally being like you know even just referred to as they them instead of like she her and then it's also so jarring when it's every day it feels like there's more and more like anti-trans legislation Mm -hmm. being passed like it's so different than when I came out about my sexuality right because like that was what like 2016 and in 2015 like gay marriage had just been like legalized and it was like it's so much about if you feel safe in your environment you know and I felt like as a country as a whole like it was like yeah there was so much like representation on every single tv show of like a gay couple and like you know it was like legal to be gay now and like to marry and like I feel like now, like coming out in 2021 to a world where it was like honestly going backwards when it comes to like trans legislation yeah. and like mm-hmm. acceptance, like it's been like very jarring at times and like kind of just like very a scary thing to navigate, honestly.
0: Yeah, how have you been navigating that? <laughs> like, gosh.
1: Um, I feel like it's so much of the time I want to like go back to like toxic positivity and like it's great to be like you know called they them and like because it is like it is great to have people understand that but it's like I don't know I think it just comes back to like this fact that like this isn't something that people that comes naturally to people and like this isn't something that people even see as like valid or real you know Mm. and like it's definitely hard like Uh, especially being, I think, somewhat of like a public figure. It's like, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I think people forget that I'm like human. And like, even when I do interviews with some like running brands or media where like the comments aren't like monitored. And like, I like see that, you know, and it's hard to kind of shut that out. But I think honestly, like leaning into the people and things that do bring me joy and like that are so affirming, kind of like what I talked about earlier, like it is a really good vetting process to like people who like are still using like she, her, it's like, okay. Like you haven't taken the time to like understand or like a simple thing, like getting someone's pronouns, right. Like maybe I don't, you know, want you in my life or like, maybe I'm not going to like invest so hard in this relationship, you know? Mm,
0: totally, (laughs) Totally. Yeah. It clears away to find your people, the ones, you know, who can like fully see and embrace and affirm all of you. And there's also like, a loss in that there's like a grief in that like oh fuck like, mm-hmm. come on like how come these other folks just can't get on board <laughs> yeah totally yeah and it strikes me like I see you doing so much activism too particularly in this last year I'm curious how that role too has also been a support for you to do yeah. what you're doing like you're right like we have gone backwards there is so much oppression of transgender folks and gender nonconforming folks and both like culturally but also legislatively And I see your activism as a response to that. I'm curious, like, how has that been? Do you identify as an activist? Like, what do you hear when you even hear me use that word? What's happening on your end?
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely have, like, leaned into that part of me for sure. And I feel like, you know, having a partner, like, now who also, I would say, like, Emma, my girlfriend now is, like, through and through the, like, definition of an advocate. And so Mm -hmm. really, like, learning from her and like I don't know it's been pretty cool to kind of like lean it more into that as well as my running like I feel like there's moments where like once again like the parallel of running where like it is this thing that like kind of drives me I feel like I run the 1500 so like at the Olympic trials this past summer there was a lot of rounds to get to the final right there's like the first round in the semifinal, and then you're finally in the final and like I felt like In, honestly, the semifinal Olympic trials, I was like, you need to be, like, on that starting line. Like, right, like, it's so important for someone like you to be there and, like, to be seen because I so deeply know the power that visibility and representation can have. And so I just kind of, like, I think in that race, and this doesn't happen every race, it's kind of, like, here and there, but it was, like, a very conscious thought of, like, if you make that final, like that means like maybe a trans kid out there watching like can see themselves in you and like they can like be the next non-binary runner. Like, you know, so I feel like I definitely like channeled it in more than one ways of like Mm -hmm. being an advocate and really, you know, not being afraid to like be seen and like be very vocal about that part of my life. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah. I'm also thinking back of, yeah, being an advocate for other kids now, but I also... always interesting too to think about like our younger selves too whenever we do things Mm -hmm. in our own lives and I'm going back and thinking about this image of seven-year-old you and the board and Rashgard and just like (laughs) how often or do you ever kind of step back in time and think about as you've kind of made these different personal and professional milestones like how often do you go back in time and see little Nikki at different points what's
1: that like I think this past year like I really have gone back to you know little Nikki and like just because I've done so many interviews of like, when did you know about your gender? Or just like things like that. And like, Mm -hmm. there's always that question, like, what would you tell your younger self? Or like, if you could go back and like, you know, and it's honestly like, I want it reversed. Like, I want little Nikki to give me advice. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like they were like fearless. Like, screw it. I'm just going to wear a rash guard and shorts. And like, you know, I want to channel like their like, fearlessness of I don't know just like not being afraid to like make a space for themselves and so I feel like I've been trying to get back to that seven-year-old Nikki like Mm -hmm. okay how do I get there again?
0: Uh, Totally that's been a common theme too I've seen in kind of on this show and in other conversations I've had with people I work with professionally or even just in personal conversations this theme of like the true self was there at the beginning before Mm -hmm. like culture and everything else put all the shit blocking the true self and it's like our path in like our own healing is getting back to that true self that's been there underneath and clearing away everything. And it's a process. And in this idea of second adolescence, that's like absolutely kind of a core task is to kind of clear away these scripts the internalized beliefs that have kind of kept us distant from who we truly are. And it's just Mm -hmm. so cool. It's so cool to hear you say that and to like see where you're at now with all this. It's just like, Oh, it's so cool. Um, (laughs) cool. (laughs) And kind of on this kind of like journey of like starting at seven year old and now coming back to this true self, I'm thinking too, like, it's always interesting. You made a post about this recently about returning to Santa Cruz, returning to kind of where you grew up. And I'm curious, like, what has that been like for you? in your evolution of your own relationship with where you grew up and returning now where you're at now?
1: I mean, it was kind of like, I came back a couple weekends ago for She is Beautiful, Great Race. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and it was kind of like, I don't really go home that often, like just because I'm like so busy with racing and things like that. But when I do, it is kind of this weird feeling of like, okay, I spent my whole life here, but like, all of it was in the closet, right? Like I was never like openly gay or like openly trans. So it is this kind of like, you're going back to a place that holds a lot of trauma almost of not being your true self. And so I think it was actually, this time going home now was actually like one of the best times like for me. Mm -hmm. Like I felt like I finally was like, kind of in a place where I could lean into myself and I had worked through a lot of my own internalized homophobia and transphobia to like be back in the space where like it was a little traumatizing but like I think I was also maybe putting too much weight on like what people thought of me like you know oh people will see me as like Nikki the homecoming queen or like I don't know, Nikki, who had, like, all the boyfriends, Mm. but, like, no one's actually thinking of you, like, (laughs) kind of, like, actually, like, you think of yourself more than anyone ever thinks of you, like, (laughs) a moment, Mm
0: but, yeah, totally,
1: I did feel really good about going home this time, and also, because I was there to speak on this panel at She Is Vito, it was kind of this moment of, like, I'm coming home, and I'm you know, talking to my hometown community about being trans and like how to, you know, make a space for trans people in sport and how to be more inclusive. And like when you put on events and like things like that. So it was like kind of this full circle moment of like, I really like have really broken that promise that I made to myself on that run. Right. Like, of like, Oh, well, we're never telling anyone about this. It's almost like the opposite. I'm like, I could not tell more people about this. Like I'm <laughs> broadcasting this to the world. So yeah, it's like kind of proving that, that Nikki wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: oh, what a journey you've had. And it's so cool to witness it from afar, just knowing you from kind of growing up until now. But then it's also just so cool what you're offering to culture now by being so visible and sharing your story and creating space for other people to share their stories and being an advocate mm-hmm. just ah so thank you for what you're doing it's oh, so thanks. cool so cool and then <laughs> you said pride 5k is in person this year i know i gotta let you go in a second but tell me about that yeah then, yeah yeah Yeah,
1: it's we're hoping to do an october race. just kind of like i think the pride 5k will always mimic like my life and like my journey and like we put it in July last year because the trials were in June and like Mm. for me like we've realized that like I do put so much energy and effort into it because it is like my baby and like it's like June and July are like June is pride month obviously and it's like those are also the most important months of like my career because that's like when USA's are that's where the trials are anyways and so I'm like wait, it doesn't have to be in June, right? Mm -mm. Like Pride is not exclusive to one month. Like Pride is all year round. And Mm so we're actually going to push it back to October. So it's gonna be like a fall race in person. And I actually just moved to Flagstaff, Arizona. I was in San Diego for the past four years, but I just moved starting like a new chapter of my running career. And so we're still figuring out where we're thinking right now, like back in San Diego, just because that's where it was born. It's way more accessible to get there than Flagstaff. Mm. Flagstaff is very specific, but we're really excited. And like, we're talking with brands and like, you know, different companies to see like how we're going to pull this off but I'm so excited to kind of see that online community that's been cultivated, like to see some of those people like in person. I think it's going to be so cool. And it's definitely not exclusive to like LGBTQ people, like allies can run it. There's just so many cool stories about the Pride 5K. Mm. could do like a whole podcast <laughs> totally. on it, but it's like totally. this one girl like came out and then her whole family like to celebrate like ran the pride 5k together you know so it's like i think sometimes people are like oh it's only like for queer people it's like no it's like everyone can run it and i think we're always gonna also have a virtual aspect to it because that's how it was born and like Mm. people from all over the world can run it too so i think also a really important piece that we're like moving into is the entire team that's going to put it on. Our goal is to have like an entire queer staff of mm. like queer run and operate the Pride 5k. Mm. So it's exciting. And I feel like I could talk forever about it. Cool. But <laughs>
0: cool. cool. Awesome. And for where people, if they want to learn more about the Pride 5k, where's a good place to send them?
1: Honestly, just follow Pride 5k on Instagram and then or follow me like I will always be posting about it. And we'll post like when race registration opens and like exactly where it is (laughs) we still need to figure a few things out but yeah that's where all the info can be found either follow me at the Hilt or at pride 5 Kid.
0: (laughs) awesome well I could talk with you all day I want to be sensitive to your time um (laughs) was there anything we didn't get to that you want to be a part of this conversation
1: oh my gosh I don't know I feel like we need to share like stories of like guards more (laughs) Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) but now i want to like flip the whole conversation totally adam tell me about like your
0: (laughs) totally (laughs) totally Totally. i know i know that's a whole other whole other long time hours i could talk about that for sure (laughs) but yeah i think it was cool and interesting like our stories are of course very different but there's also some Mm -hmm. similar timelines of things and yeah i can can really connect with like what adolescence was like for you in particular and again i just like wish like I could go back in time and yeah, you know how cool would that have been when I forget how old I was. And maybe I was 18 or 19 when you were like a 12 year old when we first met and I was your instructor. Uh-huh. And like, if only we could have like it was just different and we could have yeah. had a different conversation then. So I'm like thinking about our younger selves. I see them in right. this conversation, yours behind you, mine behind me. And <laughs> it's uh yeah. it's a cool moment. And yeah, yeah, yeah let's keep the conversation going. Would love to share more about my my stuff at another, another time. But <laughs> I am just, yeah, again, I'm so appreciative of you coming on to share your story and being so visible as you are and also crushing it in running. It's so <laughs> fun. And we're so excited yeah. to keep watching your career. It's awesome. Oh,
1: well, thank you so much for having me. This has been a blast.
0: Hey, thanks for joining us for today's conversation. Feel free to head on over to secondadolescencepod.com for show notes and more, and you can connect further by following the show on Instagram at Second secondadolescencepod. If you're interested in being a future guest on the show and you wanna come on and share about your own second adolescence, visit secondadolescencepod.com slash be a guest, and you can submit your interest there. All right, that's it for me for now. Whether it's morning, afternoon, night, wherever we're finding you in your day, go on out there and keep doing things that would make younger you absolutely thrilled. That is what it's all about. Mm. All right, take good care.